Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Forza Italian Football Podcast for Serie A Match Day 17. I'm Ewan Burns. I'm in Connor's place. It's, it's his last night in Ireland, so he's off doing festivities, which is appalling, but nonetheless, we're having to muddle through. I'm joined by Kev. How are you, Kev? I'm good, yeah. It, Connor's festivities just look like what he's been doing every other night, so I don't know why it differs, <laughs> <laughs> why he's managed to miss tonight, but uh, there you go. Well, we'll allow him extra festivities, whatever they may be, which is sitting in front of a fire with a Guinness, mm. which is the best form of festivities, it should be said. I'm also joined by Vito. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, Ewan. Is that it? Nothing else? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like breezing through everything, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I suppose being the morning, you've, you've not got as much to, to report on from your day. Uh, look, there's not too much to report, to be fair, but it does feel hot. And I had the fan on, but I decided to switch it off because I knew the mics would pick it up too easily. So I don't want our listeners to be trying to hear my voice and your voices as well. And then there's just this fan going right at the back. <laughs> the contrast is incredible. I've got a, a big electric heater behind me. <laughs> we've, we've had no heating hot water for over three weeks, which is its own horrendous story. Um but football, we're here for football. And there's been quite a lot of mad football. It's It's been a very silly weekend of games so far. Um, started with Fiorentina 2, Sassuolo 1, Juve 1, who knows you nil, who saw that coming. Uh, Monza 2, Inter 2, which is a bit more interesting. And then into Sunday, we had Salernitana 1, Torino 1, Lazio 2, Empoli 2, which was more silliness for Empoli, uh, from Lazio. Spezia nil, Lecce nil. That's as much we'll say about that one. Samp nil, Napoli two, and we have just finished watching as we record Milan two, Roma two, which is obviously where we're going to start because speaking of things that was daft, this was daft. Milan were two nil up um, until the eighty seventh minute, and I think I think to say they were cruising would be an understatement. Um, basically nothing was happening <laughs> the second half I don't remember anything happening in the second half apart from the three goals that happened and then late in the game Ibanya scores from a corner and then Timmy Abraham gets a very much needed goal for him at the very end and suddenly Roma have got a point Milan are, you know the, the, the work of catching Napoli to an extent has been undone and you know they're, they're left feeling incredibly incredibly flat i mean kev i'll start with you why why do they why is this a part of their game now because even against salentana on wednesday they won 2-1 but there was a late goal and you know they should have killed the game much sooner and they should have seen it out better than they did this was 
this was essentially that again, but against an opponent with slightly more goal scoring prowess, and it, it ended with dropping points. Yeah, I, I I didn't see the game against Salernitana, but I read your your match report where you sort of referenced that you know the complacency at the end. Um, I take your point about Roma having slightly more you know attacking prowess, but they certainly didn't show it in this game. I think if you know if this game finishes at seventy five minutes, and I know that is you know hypothetical, um, you 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 go away and probably the you know the the critics or the commentators on on this, like we are, will be saying it's this sort of professional, mature display from a very young um, Milan side because it was very, very clear that Roma went to set up and not necessarily frustrate, but uh, take something, you know, take something from the game, you know, late on. And... Uh, and once they got ahead on on thirty minutes, there was no real need to sort of press. And while there, some nerves would have sort of settled in towards the end, you know, they went two 0 up on seventy five minutes. And again, there was no sign that Roma were going to come and sort of have this 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 smash and grab sort of finish. There's there is a question to be asked around the the, the collapse once they conceded um, what was going to be a consolation goal in eighty seven minutes, but it's. Um, I, I wouldn't be overly concerned. I think it's just it's just something Roma almost can do to you because it's 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 got a very Mourinho sort of vibe to the the way he goes and clinches the points. The only thing that was missing was actually him on the sidelines and obviously him being the ex inter coach, um, being there to sort of really lap up the lap, lap up the adulation from from getting one over Milan. I hadn't quite joined those dots, but we really were robbed of something there because did that. The way the game ended, if he was there in amongst that crowd, I I think you may have picked up another ban. I think it would have been absolutely brilliant. Um the yeah, the way the goals went in, it was they were both set pieces, which has become a problem for Milan um defensively. Calabria talked to Dazone about it after the game. <laughs> These were quite quite good quite good quotes, because um he basically said it's stupid to have thrown away these three points. It was a game to take home, you know, to, to win easily sort of thing. Um, which, yeah, it was stupid. And I suppose it's something that he can identify that. And he also said um, to draw a game like that because of two set pieces pisses us off. Would you be pissed off, Vita, if, if you were in that Milan dressing room and you just chucked away those points like that? Not just for the set pieces, but in general, just to throw away a two-goal lead, I think it's uh, ridiculous for any side to do it. And then if you know that there's a problem and you still haven't fixed it, then that's another concern. So I think Stefano Pioli and his coaching staff, they really have to rectify these issues. they got to see why these things keep on happening and also if it's uh, something to do with how the defenders position themselves or with uh, Mike Magnan still being on the sidelines, if Cyprian Tatarusanu has to adjust his positioning as well. So I think in training, they've definitely got to study the movements as well as how the opponents are going to attack them from the corners. In fairness to the Milan coaching staff, they had no time to sort of get the players together for the second one. It was just that that's just 
that just happens. You know, you you're, you're hit with that sucker punch. The the game just is collapsing around you. You've got very little time to react. You're you're possibly even still thinking about what you did wrong on the first one when another ball comes over and suddenly you find yourself, um, you know, scaring scaring staring a draw in the face rather than uh, sort of you know, edging edging out um, for three points or. From a from a Roma's perspective, Vito, does this does this mean much in in the sense that like I I tweeted during the game that whenever you watch Roma at the moment and for most of this season, at no point do you think I you know you think they're about to score here. You, you, generally, when you watch it, you get a feeling that they're gearing up towards a goal. At no point does it ever seem to feel like that, and it really really didn't in this game. Like it, it was bad, and from a from a top four chasing perspective you know they, they shouldn't have been going into this game with the mindset of oh we'll just sit back and see what we can get sort of thing they they need to win as much as Milan needed to win for their title aspirations um but they didn't play like it so obviously they've, they've got away with the with the with a point and that feels great for for right now but do you think there's actually anything really to take from that in the long run not too much in my view I thought with this game, AC Milan did not play at the very best. I don't think they showed enough to really dismantle Roma. And I think if another team was playing better than what Milan did against Roma in this game, I think Roma would have lost far more comprehensively. However, you felt that with Milan, they weren't doing enough to really put the seal on the game, and even with the subs Pioli made, you could still feel that the Giallo Rossi could get something because Salvatore Fotti was making those offensive changes. And looking in this scenario, I think it goes to show that if you can put enough pressure on Milan, they can be broken down firstly. And secondly, it also shows that if Roma showed a bit more desire and a bit more attacking impetus, maybe they can challenge in certain games a bit more. Instead of just soaking back and uh, playing with this sense of fear, they might be able to pose a greater threat to opposition sides and possibly collect a lot more points. For for Milan, this this result is very bad from a title race perspective because obviously they'd, they'd cut that gap to five points in midweek. Um Napoli played just before this game and they beat Samp 2-0 at the Marassi. Um this was an it was an odd game, this Napoli one, because it started with the football very much being the secondary thing where it was it was the fans' chance to do a send off for both Viali and Mihailovic. And it was it was an incredible atmosphere, it was very emotional. You could see, you know, Stankovic was in tears, there was um family members holding shirts at the side of the pitch and stuff it was it was very nicely done and then a football match happened um and what kind of impressed me with Napoli and straight away put me back on board with the idea that they do have what it takes being fickle um was that in that atmosphere that was very very emotive and also had some interesting decisions within it where, and also some very bad tackles from a couple of Samp players as well, which could have sparked a lot of anger from Napoli players. They 
just seemed to stay calm and they just did what they needed to do and won the game. Were, were either of you, did you get that kind of feeling that it, it felt quite convincing from Napoli? V- Vito's not said anything, so I'll jump in. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think it. I think it was quite important for Napoli. Too. I think it was slightly easier than probably you think it. It was you, and I think because a lot of the emotion is on the is on the Samp side. You know, they've probably been surrounded more uh, in the past few days since um, Viali left us, and kind of almost they're in a they're in a they're in a worse position or a more. More pressurised uh, position, arguably, than, than Napoli, where they're sort of fighting for their Serie A survival. And not only do they know how much victory is needed, but also how emotional it's going to be if they if if they do it on the back of this, um, you know, this honour in the the honour in the players that that have, that have um, just left us. So um, I think it was probably slightly easier for Napoli because they can sort of distance themselves to it. Um, but Vita might have a different view. Was uh, one of those games where, on paper, you'd think that Napoli deserved the win, but uh, given how poorly Sump have performed in general this season, and then the emotional aspects of the occasion, you know, it just uh, it was just one of those things that you couldn't really see Sump getting much out of it. And then after Thomas Rincon committed that foul on Victor Ozzyman. It pretty much just uh, laid the pathway for the Partenal pay to seal the victory. Why was why was he even contesting that? It was <laughs> it was one of the most uh, yeah. It was it was it was riling me up just watching watching him. It's like get off the pitch, you know. It's like, <laughs> I, I don't care if he does that amongst the crowd of players, you know, in the centre circle. It's so cowardly and sort of reckless and, you know, uh, uh, malicious in a way that, you know, I was equally annoyed that they even awarded the first penalty. But, yeah, for Rincon to sort of try and stay on the pitch after that was just, just frankly ridiculous. Yeah. It was a felt that he didn't need to commit in the first place. It was just playing reckless from Rincon and he should have just tried to hassle Ossiman more than anything else because Ossiman was drifting to the right wing. It wasn't like he was one-on-one with uh, Emil Oldoro in that situation. As for the first penalty, there are some people that question whether it should be allowed or not or it should have been awarded. But uh, Nicola Murro, is, he's just become another pet hate of mine. I think he's an atrocious footballer. He brought it on himself. And I think he was very lucky that Bruno Amione picked up a yellow card against Sassuolo because once Amione has served his suspension, I would rather see him back in the team. Uh, Morro, hopefully he can leave in January because he is an absolute liability to that team. I, I don't think they can give the penalty based on you disliking his football and ability, though, Vito. <laughs> you know, he, I don't he ha- think this was a foul, but that guy's a dick. <laughs> yeah. he, he actually yes. does really well because he sort of steps across the attacker, Anguissa. You know, he shields the ball perfectly and it just happens that Anguisa loses his footing, so his foot goes underneath where Moreau's foot is naturally naturally falling. It's it's one of those where if I'm Politano or if I'm yeah, I'd probably miss the pen on purpose. No, he he didn't do that, he didn't he didn't strike the post, but it's one of those where you know like when a team concedes a stupid goal and they let the others off they let the opposition go up and equalised. I'm all for that. 
But in the same breath, now contradicting what I've just said, you get moments like the ring Kong tackle on Osserman where, you know, a couple more strides is in the penalty area. And you think, well, sod it. If you're going to, if one of your players is going to act like that and, you know, give up, you know, take away a, a, what was probably a goal scoring opportunity, then when we get a, a very big slice of luck for a penalty awarded because we trod on a, a falling player's foot, then we should probably just dispatch the penalty or attempt to dispatch the penalty as best we can because it's that old cliche about these things coming back round and, you know, over over the course of a season, it will even itself out. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I think you could see scenarios or, you know, things in the past where people have tried to tell the refs and things that it wasn't a penalty and sometimes it would be nice for a few more players to kind of do that and go, oh, you know, come on, let's 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 be sensible here. There was, yeah, there's a similar one we might get onto later where I think somebody, uh, it must have been the Fiorentina game where they've shanked a shot and the ball's going out probably for a throw-in on the other side of the pitch. Yeah, they get a handball from it and get a penalty. But anyway, there you go. There's my 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 rant on the back of v- Vito's Mura rant. Vent. We'll move away from a specific game because um, we've got a question on Twitter, which is at Serie Total, um, from Graham, who wants to know why, essentially, why there's been so many late goals in Serie A this season, um, also in comparison to other leagues, which you know, we, we, we're not been able to immediately harness all of the data for that. But what I can tell you is that in this match day so far, bear in mind there's games left, there's been seven goals after after the 83rd minute, which have affected the outcome of a game, which is is quite mad. <laughs> In terms of why, I mean, I'm struggling. One thing that's popped into my head, this shouldn't, this, this happened in other leagues as well, but obviously the five changes does add more fresh players to a game later on. And in theory, they could do, do goals. Apart from that, I'm struggling. Vito, have you got any idea? Well, the point that you raise is a fair one because with the additional subs, you bring in fair some fresher legs and if they're able to get enough space to just uh, do something, then they can turn the game around. Uh, my view on it, though, I think it's just a matter of the old um, Italian mentality of when you're up a certain score, you just want to shut shop and soak up pressure, but... Uh, we live in an age in which uh, Italy doesn't produce the great defenders that it used to. Uh, I think teams are becoming more complacent or their awareness is not as good. And uh, you get games where teams like Roma, they've done nothing for a few minutes, but in the last few minutes of a match, they'll just go full tilt and they'll get something. So it's, I think a lot of it's down to poor game management, that if you're going to sit back and defend you've got to be focused try to nullify the opposition and close down the spaces whereas if you're on the flip side and you're trying to chase the game you just got to take as many risks as possible and it seems that in those remaining 10 minutes of the game and then the additional stoppage time that's where teams throw caution to the wind and they get uh, results that way they get some reward from it right to me also shows that you know why can't we see this more often during the course of the game think if teams are just idle or static throughout the duration, it's disappointing to watch, but you also wonder what could have been if you just put a bit more pressure, show more endeavour going forward, and you might be able to get more rewards from it. 
The, alter- the alternative angle to the the five substitutions um, giving teams more options to to change the game is that you can also uh, disrupt the game either by you know putting defenders on to to hold on to a lead or just purely stop that momentum. I think majority of goals that you see late in games, say sort of seventy five minutes onwards, often come from mental and physical fatigue, um, but also that. Uh, you know that just uh, God, I forgot my train of thought. Ignore that bit, cut it out. But uh, but that's you know that's that's what it is. I think it's just the mental and physical fatigue towards the end of games, where you where you tend to see goals at the end of games. Well, there we go. That is the definitive answer <laughs> of three slightly different answers that you can mush into whatever you'd like. Um, don't really know what happens, but I think we can all agree that it's quite fun. Um, especially this weekend it's been fun no We've... no no it's never fun well, when yeah, you're writing yeah. match reports so um, I disagree <laughs> we we were both sent flapping <laughs> this evening one for one for our website and me for somewhere else by <laughs> two very late goals but if you have the pleasure of watching it purely for pleasure then it is brilliant to see <laughs> late goals things like what happened tonight um, and speaking of late goals Monza 2, Inter 2. This was funny. There's no two ways around it. It was funny. Um, and, I mean, the first first half of this game was odd. because so Inter went 1-0 up extremely fast. Um, Damian, again, proving that he's he's such a solid footballer, Matteo Damian. <laughs> like, I don't know if there's anyone more solid in the sense that you know that over a course of a season, you're going to get, like a really good base level of performance from him, as well as quite a healthy goal return as well. Kev shaking his head. Go on. You, I know, you've just, you somehow made that compliment sound worse than Vito's criticism of Muru. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, you've, you've praised him so much there that it's actually sounded like, um, you know, like a criticism of him. Um, yeah, I, I find him, D'Ambrosio, all sort of interchangeable anywhere along those sort of wing, you know, right, right hand side. Mm. But um, it was a, it, it was a wonderful team move, um, and, and maybe it would get more credit if it wasn't Damian who sort of finished it off. That's what I mean. He's not a fashionable player, but he's, I think he's, he's very valuable to that Inter team. Um, so he made it one nil, and then um, Monza, Monza got on back through Patrick Churia. Um, it was a really good goal that as well. Very, very good technical finish. Um, that that was all within the first ten or so minutes, and you think, oh, maybe Monza can do something here. And then Pablo Mari just gives Lautaro Martinez the ball in the box, and he scores. <laughs> that was that. Um, and then, so, somewhat like the Milan situation tonight, Inter just wouldn't kill the game. Um, I was quite impressed with Monza, generally speaking. Um, and then. They, they got what their play probably deserved and what Inter's play definitely did deserve by the end, which was, I think it went down as a dumb free zone goal in the end, but it looked like a Calderola header um, in stoppage time to to all. And what I will ask, who am I going to ask? Vita. For Inter, is this why Inter just aren't going to get back in title race? Because they just beat Napoli, you get all the excitement that comes with it, and then they provide this sort of display. It seems to be a classical Inter thing where you think they can beat these teams that are seemingly weak on paper and then they have the tendency to squander the result like this. 
the Nerazzurri played better in the first half, but they didn't look too convincing. Whereas in the second half, I thought that the way Monza played, they showed that they definitely deserve to get something out of this game. And, uh, you know, they deserve that equaliser in the end. Back to Inter specifically, uh, in general, it's these kind of results that are detrimental to any hopes they could have to challenge for the title. And Simone Inzaghi needs to look at how his team you know, treats these games, how they approach it psychologically and uh, what they can do in future games to make sure it's a far more comprehensive performance. I think from a technical perspective, there just seems to be something lacking. I don't know if it's because Romelu Lukaku is still trying to regain fitness and he's trying to settle back into the into team or just whenever you have a few absentees they don't look as convincing as they can be because when they are on song they are a dangerous counter-attacking side however we did not see a great deal of it against the Brianzoli Someone who didn't start the game but came on with a good chunk of it still to go was Romelu Lukaku Obviously, he didn't score against Napoli, but he you know, showed moments of promise. And obviously, he's been out for essentially the whole of the season so far. Um, Kev, where do you stand on... Like, he's a very easy player to pick on in the sense that... Which, which can basically be said about almost anyone who's been at Manchester United in a certain period. Because that, the spotlight that comes with that and the fact that if you are perceived to have a poor first touch, that's very easy to put in a video of loads of them <laughs> and he did quite a few bad first touches in this game he had a, he had a very bad game there's no two ways around it but I don't know what you think but I sort of just feel like it is inherently relevant that he has been out for so long and he is a confidence player and he's a striker as well which isn't the sort of position where you just slot back in generally speaking when you've been out for that long um do you think it's all a bit mean or do you think it's warranted? No, I think I think lots of the criticism he's got is, is unwarranted. Um, I think it it's further thrust into the spotlight when a significant amount of money has been um, spent on someone that you know either plays in a position or has you know has got a tendency to be you know, it, I suppose it's like he. You know, what house does he bring to the team? You know, he he brought a lot to Inter under Conte because they they very much paid for his strengths and they they played a played kind of a, a tactics a game towards it towards his strengths. Whereas now he needs to rely on his instinct and his sharpness, and that isn't going to be there if you've been out for a prolonged period. You know, he was extremely unfortunate during the World Cup when probably he got. Um, some of the worst abuse I've ever seen when he sort of missed three or four chances. But again, people weren't weren't really relating that to the fact that he, he you know, he hadn't even played much of the tournament. He'd not played much before it. And you you do need to kind of have that. It's just that, you know, you can you can be given as many balls as you like in training and sort of have the time to finish them. But in a match environment, you know, it's going to be much quicker. There's much, there's a different environment, there's different, different pressure, particularly if you're thinking about Belgium going out of the World Cup. So, um, while he's not performing great, I, I always think that the criticism of him and maybe some other players is certainly unwarranted. 
Um, and you know, and there's, I think there's always um, a racist element to some of that, or at least a xenophobic element to some of that, because you there's arguably worse uh, Italian players that haven't received similar sort of criticisms, or when he's played in England, there would have been English strikers that would have had a equally fraught time in front of goal, and they don't get that, so um, that that never helps. I would pretty much agree with uh, what Kev has said. And just adding to it, I think because of the fact that he's getting such uh, lucrative wages, at least by Serie R standards, that that adds to the criticism in addition to having these um, fitness issues. And I think it's another thing too that when he was first at Inter, he had been so impressive, so that raised the bar to an extent. You can see that when he is fit and he has the confidence, he's a very hard man to stop. And, you know, when you combine his strength and his ability to put the ball away, uh, Lukaku is a tough proposition for Serie A defenders. And I'm sure everyone at Inter really want to see that from him, even if it's towards the later stages of the season. Another thing I would look at too is I think with players who earn such high wages they do get a bit more pressure put onto them. But I think another thing we've got to be realistic about is that just in general with purchasing players from certain leagues or certain clubs, if a Serie A club is going to bring a player from the Premier League and uh, bring someone with such high wages, not only does it add pressure, but also I think there's just that sense of realism that's a bit missing. I think that uh, there are times where Serie A directors and even the fans got to realise that the clubs in Italy can't really take all these players from the Premier League simply because there's less money. So uh, Lukaku can do what he can given his level of fitness, but at the same time, sometimes with these signings, uh, don't just go for a Premier League club for the sake of luring a big name or for the sake of image ultimately you need to buy a player even if it's just for a loan deal to bring the best out of your team and if you've got to look elsewhere that's probably the best thing don't just try and lure a player just because he has played in a league with the reputation of the premier league or he had done well in Serie A previously sometimes it's about being realistic about both your wage bill and also how that player can improve the side I think it's um, it's also the, the times that we live in you know you've got a yeah it's going to sound like old man shouts at clouds now but you know you've got a FIFA generation uh, where players they almost they aren't allowed to age you know and when they hit the peaks that, that Lukaku hit you know with the, his national side and with Inter a slight dip isn't kind of seen as acceptable anymore. It's like, you know, we've all got, you know, some of some of us are older than others, but, you know, we've all got older. And as you get older, you realise you've lost that yard of pace or that physical strength to do any of these other sports we did as children or, you know, youngsters. And, but now we live in an era when, you know, suddenly you're that quick and he has to be that quick for forever. You know, he's got to have that level of accuracy of his shooting for forever. And, also that comes with your injuries you know as he gets older it's it's harder and takes longer to recover from injuries but nobody gives you that time anymore because it's it's a strange strange world we we live in at the moment 
It is very strange. Speaking of strange, let's go to Lazio. Because they've dropped more points from a winning position. So on, on Wednesday, obviously, they were 1-0 up away at Lecce. And they conceded twice and lost the game. Um, things weren't quite as extreme this time. But they were 2-0 up with seven minutes to play against Empoli. And I must admit, I turned this off with 10 minutes to go because I wanted to watch the last 10 minutes of something else that was shaping up what seemed much more interestingly than this was because Empoli hadn't had a sniff, really. Um, There's a couple of minorly promising moves, but nothing much of interest. Um, And Lazio just looked completely comfortable. I feel like I've been saying this all evening so far, but Lazio looked completely comfortable. Um, And then... Suddenly it ends to all. What, Vito, what is it that... Why do they do this? What, what are Lazio doing wrong? Might be another complacency issue, but I feel that with Lazio, it just seems to remind me of Sarri when he was at Napoli. When he had his preferred 11, things would click wonderfully. As soon as someone came off or he needed to put in someone else, it just seems that big cracks appear and they become very noticeable. It just it's a bit mind boggling boggling to be fair, because in general Lazio's been good in defence this season, but to collapse like that, yeah, it's uh, an unusual one. And then the way Empoli scored those goals, they were two nice strikes, I gotta say. Uh, Caputo's finish was lovely. Reminded me of, you know, when he was first at Empoli and then at Sassuolo. It goes to show that, you know, if given the chance or he is utilized properly, he can still be a good finisher at this level. And then Razvan Marin to equalise in stoppage time, that was an absolute belter. So it wasn't just the cheap tap-ins too. Uh, Empoli showed that, uh, you know, if something can click, they can uh, turn something around. But yeah, just back to Bianco Celeste, yeah. Just very unusual to fall like that. And again, it's a problem with the other teams in Serie A too, that you've got to keep focused until the final whistle blows. It's like, well, I was going to say before you said that they were really good goals, the empty goals that they're worth seeking out for anyone who's not seen them. Um, for, for Lazio, it, it's got to be so frustrating because those those extra two points would have put them one off into who are fourth. And perhaps more importantly to Lazio fans, it would have put them two points ahead of Roma. Um, that That little race for particularly fourth place, you'd say at the moment, this this is a complete conjecture, but you'd say at the moment that Napoli, Juve and Milan look like they will be the top three. Um, that that will completely change next week, may I add. Um, but then Inter on 34, Lazio 31, Roma 31, and then even Atalanta on 28, and obviously they're, they're yet to play. Um, that's very interesting, all for possibly one space. You've got four teams there with a genuine claim. To one space, um, we're going to talk about Juve now. I'm afraid, so strap in, everyone. <laughs> it's that time again. They scored late and they won. Um, kits, Kevin. We're going to talk about kits first because remind me if I I, I, I meant to double check, but Juve were at home wearing that pink thing that they have, and Udinese were wearing their grey thing that has some pink going on somewhere as well or something similar to pink 
were you upset? I was. I was obviously. I was obviously. I was annoyed because I'm always annoyed when um, any team just throws away its throw away its tradition. Um, I was trying to work out if I'd actually seen the kit before because I think I've seen them wear so many kits and because I've had the Christmas break, I was like, is this their third? Is this their second? Is this a... Because it, it was somewhat unfamiliar, so I wasn't sure if it was some sort of like one-off kit they were doing for charity, but I think it's actually a third strip. They've definitely used it a few times um, this season and I, I'd possibly go as far as to say if memory serves from other pictures i've seen them wearing it i don't think it's necessarily that horrible actually no that's but, it i think me and connor have discussed that we actually quite like the colors it's just mm, when they choose to choose to wear yeah, it is the most frustrating it, it, it looked horrendous up against the sort of light gray of <laughs> what they were wearing For some reason it just really didn't go with that um not only i mean I wouldn't say it was a kit clash um, in the sense of visually. It wasn't perfect. It could have been better, but it wasn't as bad as like that Spezia Atalanta one where you just couldn't tell them apart. That was ridiculous. Um, but yeah, the game. Well, 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 well yeah, while we're, on the, while we're on the kits, I do think it's a shame when you've got two teams that have got the most obvious kit clash. They literally both play in black and white stripes. And yet the home team side so um, decides to, to go into that purple-blue uh, offering. But then also at the Samp-Napoli game, just to go back to that oversight, probably, if you're... It's, Napoli decided to go to their black third kit, which was arguably closer to Napoli's royal blue... Uh, sorry, Samp's royal blue. And even more so because it's absolutely hammering down with rain. So that Samp kit got darker and darker shade of blue. And I was sitting there thinking, if you're if you're you know, if you're colour blind and you're trying to determine between Samp and Samp's blue and the Napoli black, they, yeah, I know there's there's rules now coming up for next season or the season after about the kits and stuff. But why they still allow them to do this is is beyond me. Um, you mentioned the rain there. Obviously, we don't have our in Italy person with us, but. Was it raining everywhere in Italy this weekend? Because I, because I, I was at the desk basically all weekend. I've managed to tune into quite a lot of the games, and a lot of them had driving rain. Other than Salerno, I think yes. Yeah, it was not did not look like a good weekend. Um, another weird thing that happened. I don't know if either of you saw this today. Um, there was a clash on a stretch of motorway in Tuscany between Roma and Napoli fans, because Napoli were heading to Genoa, Roma were heading to Milan. Um, the headline that I saw was um, Autostrada della Sole, or Del Sole, which I thought was quite funny. Um, and I, I just think we should shed some, not shed light, but mention the fact that grown men stopped on the motorway and were running along the side of it to go and fight other men. There was trouble is, on the trains as well, I believe. It's... I want to say funny. It's not funny in the sense of like, don't do that. It's funny in the like pathetic men, funny sense. <laughs> Where, like what, why is that what you want to do with, <laughs> with your time and with your weekend, especially the, like the train thing that happens in a lot of places all the time, football. but like on a motorway, like just drive to the game and go and watch the game. <laughs> why, why would you ever want to get out and go and have a fight on the hard shoulder? It's bizarre. Um, but uh, all I'm doing is putting off Juve. Right. 
I tell you what, the benefit of Juve was that Chiesa set up the winner. And I think we all like Chiesa. I think we can say that. That's an element of Juve that we all like. Um, and he set it up very nicely for Danilo. Um, the problem with Juve, Juve aren't going away. Vita, where, where do you stand on them in a title sense? Like, Are you on board with that they are part of this now? It's slowly creeping in, that thought. I think um, if if Napoli don't continue to have some winning momentum, I think Juve are just as good as uh, anyone to challenge for that title race. Even though the performances haven't been comprehensive whatsoever, uh, just it's typical Juventus, but also typical Allegri. They just do enough to get the job done. And the other sides, they're falling apart as well. Many of the top sides are just sorely lacking consistency. And even if, you know, Napoli doesn't watch out, it might just be the same old story, which is not a good image for Serie A and not much fun to watch for the neutrals. But uh, I think it's, yeah, just another typical Bianconeri scenario where they'll just capitalise on anyone who slips up. They were at least deserving this week of their victory. I know it came in sort of the 85th minute, but you know they were all over Udinese. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't quite as dour and a drab Allegri Juventus performance as we've been we've come accustomed to. And even on this run of however many consecutive games without conceding a goal, they 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 should have probably you know had the game well and truly won long before they did. The the thing that's been annoying me about it is that it, it's yet again opened up this big discourse on Twitter where you've got Juve fans banging the drum of like it's it's not their job to entertain you or whatever it's to win games. And it's like yeah, that is that is true. That Allegri it's not part of his job description to entertain everyone else and win every game four 0 and all that sort of stuff. He just has to win. It doesn't mean we can't moan about the fact that it's boring. <laughs> Surely we, we, we deserve the right to moan about the fact that they are really, really horrible to watch at the moment. And it's not just that. It's also the, the bigger picture. You see how poorly they win the Champions League. And it goes to show that if you're too pragmatic in the Champions League, you're not going to get anywhere. It's important to have balance, but... Uh, if that balance is going to be thrown off somehow, you're better off being more attack-minded than defensive-minded. And you can also see it with, you know, Atletico Madrid from Spain. Uh, Simeone is a master at pragmatism, but, you know, he's taken Atleti to Champions League finals, but he hasn't won any. And then you look at Allegri. He's taken the Bianconeri to Champions League finals, and he hasn't won anything either. So um, have a bit more balance. And... uh, apply a bit more of a proactive mindset because in this day and age, it can be rewarding. Uh, this idea of constantly nullifying opponents, it might do well in the league format, but when it comes to European competition and just any cup tournament, you've got to be a bit more daring, a bit more audacious and have much better combination play. Otherwise, you're not going to win anything. Yeah, that's very true. There is there is a ceiling to the way they're playing. And obviously... Right now, they're out of the Champions League, so they, they, they're going to do what they need to do that they see fit to to win Serie A because that's that's what the aim is right now. Um, but you know, the, the, there's got to be a change in the future if they want to. You know, that that's that's always that, that's kind of been their point right up until the point where they stopped winning the league every year. The whole point of them was to 
try and do some try and win the Champions League again, and it didn't happen. Um, other games briefly: Fiorentina two, Sassuolo one. Sassuolo had a bit of a stinking starts of the year because they got beat by Samp, and now they've been beat again. This was one of the seven late goals, as there was a ninety-first minute penalty for Nico Gonzalez, which he nicely dispatched. Um, all right, Kev, are you worried about Sassuolo? Perhaps I am, and I was, I was disappointed for them watching this. I don't think I've seen a more one-sided game where the team has lost. It's, <laughs> it was, it, it was. I think if you're a Sassuolo fan, it was demoralising. You know, they were. I don't, I don't think the Fiorentina barely laid a glove on them first half. Um, immediately from the second half, it was a Sassuolo. Um, mistake that led to to Sapanara volleying home, and then they get the they get a fortunate handball that Berardi dispatches the penalty, and then sort of two minutes before the end they get you know it was the questionable handball that um, you know it clearly struck his arm, but where the ball was actually going, I, you know I've got views on whether they should be given at that. Um, distance from you know from ball to hand that it hits it and then they sort of they lose their game it's like oh you just must be sort of trekking back home to Sassuolo just thinking what is their season going to turn out like towards the end now because they seem to be like in constant free fall since the start of the season I know they're they're not in the bottom three places but it feels like every time I sort of check their score or watch one of their games they, they they drop points or they lose yeah, it certainly does feel like that at the moment. Um, Salernitana 1, Torino 1. I caught the first half of this, and Torino were excellent. Um, they went in 1-0 up at half-time. It should have been more. Um, Guillermo Ochoa, Ochoa made a lot of saves, um, and he looks like he could be very important for Salernitana. Um, but then they got a point, which, you know, based on what I saw in the first half, is a very good result. So we've got a point from that game, and it's not a good result for Torino. Um, the other game that we've not talked about is Spezia Lecce, which was nil-nil. Um, I'm going to say, has anyone got anything to add? You're allowed to say no. Has anyone got anything to add? No, I didn't even watch it. <laughs> I saw the <laughs> result and decided, oh. uh, it, well, in my defence, it was on the same time as um, Lazio Empoli. So. Yeah, it was. Uh, I chose I chose the correct game to watch. I think. I think we'll park that one there, um, and then we've discussed everything else. Um, Monday night is Hellas Verona versus Cremonese, which is the bottom two of the table, which is therefore makes that interesting if you're that way inclined. Um, a veto is. <laughs> Sorry. Veto is. Veto's got a vested interest in yeah. that. <laughs> That's true. Now, Samp have picked up some points. Samp won a game. They're in a different league to <laughs> specifically Cremonese, who are still yet to win. Um, yeah, that one's at 6 30 European time. And then Bologna at home to Atalanta is the game after that on Monday night, which, I mean, that doesn't necessarily have to be. A boring game. I think there's, there's potential for that to be interesting. Um, I think Connor could be at that one. I don't know if his plans are changing or not, but he certainly had a plan in his head that involved going to that. Um, and then that'll do us, I think. Anybody got anything else that you want to add? No. They're shaking their heads at me. Um, reminder, patreon.com forward slash total Italian football and two euro, five euro, ten euro tiers to get 
more stuff. We've got preview shows through the week. We've got women's football on there as well. Um, we're very busy on there at the moment with all of these millions of games coming constantly. Something related to Copper Italia, I suspect, when those games just appear out of nowhere. Um, and what else have I got to say? <laughs> uh, that's it. Social media at Serie A Total. If you want to follow us on Twitter, uh, Total Italian Football on Instagram, Facebook, and total-italianfootball.com for the website. Loads of match reports, loads of general writing going up. There's a piece from Kev on there at the moment, um, which is a kind of the alley tribute, which is very nice and everyone would enjoy. That's our pinned tweet actually on Twitter at the moment. That, that might be a slightly quicker way to find it if you want. And there we go. Say goodbye, Vita. Goodbye. And say goodbye, Kevin. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.